Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome into another episode of Ram Nation. This is Season 2, Episode 4 of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein alongside longtime season ticket holder Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and the Professor. Been going to games since 2012, 2013. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's Chris Mason. So let's start. VCU comes from behind to beat Seattle. Super ugly game, but the guys gave it great effort, especially down the stretch. Um, I mean, I, I was really proud of the effort on the defensive end. Uh, we were getting beat up inside. They were scoring at will, it seemed like. And uh, we stiffened up. Uh, we started getting offensive rebounds. We started t- being aggressive, taking the ball to the hole. Um, and, yeah, just a, just a great finish to that game. Yeah, and it was also a good start. Like I was like, oh, this is going to be smooth sailing. I forget the lead. 21 to 8. 21 to 8. Me and Caleb, I sat with uh, Caleb. I was like, all right, we're going to cruise. Happy Saturday. And then we were losing at half. We were looking at each other like. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. But, yes, yeah, finished strong, like you said. I was watching on a laptop up up in the mountains, you know, enjoying my birthday weekend. And uh, it was 21-10 when I turned it on. And then, like you said, it was halftime. We were down one. Uh, red mullets. That's all I'm gonna say. Is that like? Is that what's hip in the Northwest now? Kobe, baby. Yeah, he can. I mean, he, he's good. He's a big dude. You know, like I, I don't like when VCU doesn't play well at home against teams that are in theory inferior. I always like hate kind of like you know kissing the coach's butt and stuff. It, the pennant, pennant coach, the opponent's coach and stuff. But like the dude can play, man. Like he, he was good, and he's got a red mullet. Like, yeah, it's, it's back. I saw him before the game, and I was like, well, that guy's gonna cause us trouble. He's huge. <laughs> and then the first possession, the way he backed. Uh, our big man down and kept his dribble alive was impressive. Uh, I mean, he had all the moves under the basket. And so, you know, I, I kind of felt like this was going to be a struggle this year, replacing Jalen Deloach and Brandon Johns offensively, but defensively as well. I mean, what did that guy have, like 20 points on us? He had 17 points. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our, our interior defense is actually, when you look at the numbers, pretty good. Uh, I would have to do a little digging, but our block percentage is pretty high. And, uh, through four games, we are we are uh, protecting the rim pretty well. Um, so I mean that that's encouraging, and uh, quite frankly, we need it right now. But what really encouraged me on the offensive end was going 13 for 15 from the free throw line. Uh, and to me, it was more of a mindset than you know even just just shooting well from the free throw line. We were trying to get to the hole, particularly Toby Lawall. He had four possessions in a row where he went to the free throw line. And, uh, I mean, that that's effort, it's athleticism, and it's, you know, really everything he embodies right now. He's just getting hacked nonstop, but, yeah, he just kept on going. But uh, big free throws in the stretch from the team. Uh, you mentioned 13 to 15 or for the game, but big free throws in the stretch, big shot by JNL, man. It was, it was you know, it was off a rebound, kicks it to JNL, big three. And how about Toby, I mean, shooting some moon three-pointers? Yeah, uh, I mean, if you, told, in. <laughs> if you told me that – 
uh, two Toby three pointers were going to get us back into a game, I would not believe you. Moonshots. Yeah, well, I mean, is, they, they, they touched the rafters. This is three wins in a row for the Rams and three games in a row that they've been excellent in the second half, defeating Seattle in the second half, 33 to 28. But it's the second game in a row that I've been impressed with the bench unit. 19 bench points to three for Seattle, and that was thanks to Toby LaWall's threes and Jason Nelson's contributions. Well, you know, JNL being kind of that spark plug off the bench, you, you, you look at, you know, Seattle put a Radford the game beforehand at four threes of the bench, you know, so he's kind of having bench having bench players step up. Uh, you know, we saw it at times last year, David Shriver was not a starter for VCU. He came off the bench, hit a couple threes. Uh, but you, even if you have a small eight-man rotation, which some teams do, you cannot win in basketball. We saw it with St. Bonaventure two years ago where they played five guys like, 95 percent of their minutes and they were they underperformed you need bench players to step up and play that, i mean that's when that's why i love jason nelson's role right now too he is that spark off the bench offensively and defensively so um yeah we gotta gotta keep getting that from him and then hopefully fats billups and a few other guys can chip in too chris are you worried only two scorers in double digits and for the second consecutive game max Scholga struggles to score no not concerned i think they'll figure it out long term they're still figuring out the roles and people get healthy we'll bring guys back i'm not too worried Scholga has played good minutes got a big and one down the stretch against seattle um he's a tough dude he's a volume scorer i'm not too concerned uh heck roosevelt wheeler top six recruit hasn't even really cracked the rotation much at all so i'm it's four four game samples, two game sample size. What you're spe- you're, you're specifying, but it's only been four games. Uh, I need I need at least ten to twelve games before I can really make decipher scoring on the team. Yeah, you mentioned Shulga, and what's promising to me is he went for seven, seven, and seven. So even though he wasn't scoring, he was finding positive ways to impact the game. Roosevelt Wheeler ejected. I thought it was a questionable call when you see the replay. I haven't been able to see a replay anywhere, and again. Please, well, I know you weren't. I, they weren't but but it's out of conference. You can show that in the game, right? I don't know what the I, rules are. I saw. I it. honestly don't care either. Streaming on ESPN Plus, I saw it. Flavorite one, I agree with. He did. He did. I, I didn't think it was like malicious. There was. Um, I didn't think it was. Yeah. It was exactly. A, he made a mistake, and he kind of. He it was extended his arm. Flavorite one, I agree with. I I was. I like stepped up to grab grab some wine. Actually, that's what but, I was kind of doing. And I come back and I see <laughs> Roosevelt Wheeler like walking down the tunnel. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. What happened? So I, I, I disagreed with that call. Um, I and, will say, though, yeah. I thought that was probably his best game before then. I mean, it was only, what, four minutes and 49 seconds on the court. Uh, but he grabbed a couple rebounds, uh, had a steal. Actually, had two steals in just four minutes. He was active. Yeah. And that's what we need. Yeah, he picked up some fouls pretty quickly. But, I mean, he, he, he's, he hasn't gotten enough playing time to get really in the rhythm of a game yet. So I think that he just needs some more minutes. Something I mentioned in last week's pod, I, if you guys remember, I said this upcoming week, Radford and Seattle. We got two players I want to see play well. It was Kwani, 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 and Rose. Kwani played real well against Radford. Hasn't quite happened for Rose yet. I like to see him down in Orlando. You know, he doesn't need to play three great games, but at least one game where he kind of gets his confidence up. I'd love to see it. Caleb, what did you think after Roosevelt Wheeler was ejected and then um, center Christian Furman went to the bench? They went with Kwani, Kwani at the five. And I believe that was the first time we saw him play the center position this year. In all four of the games that we've had so far, we have been much bigger than our opponent. And I think, you know, when you're playing a team like that, you can get away with it. And, I mean, Kwani Kwani is 6'9", and I think it speeds up our offense a little bit, particularly if someone's playing a zone or something like that against us. So uh, there's a time and a place for it. And I think that, you know, Odom's rotations were good, especially with Furman being in foul trouble. 
So the VCU Rams got a win on Saturday. It was also the second block party of the year. Shout out to VCU Athletics for putting that together. I was out there hosting. They had free food, prizes, giveaways. It was a ton of fun, but we need to hand it off to the professor for our crowd rating. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance. It's Chris Mason, crowd rating. So didn't go to the Radford game, um, but I did watch on TV. Um, Chef Nick said the great line, uh, Toby Juan Kenobi, because he's a Skywalker. So <laughs> continuing the excellent announcing. But what did you guys think? I won't grade since I wasn't there. It took a while for the crowd to fill in, but I thought, it, again, it wasn't a total sellout. Maybe six thousand. But when we went on that run in the second half, but it felt like a sell, like a sold out. It was game. an engaged crowd again. Yeah. At least the people you're getting in the stew right now are people <laughs> that definitely want to be there. And uh, yeah, note. I mean, there's some like corporate seats, particularly around where I sit, that Davenport. are just like, <laughs> yeah, I, well, no names. But um, <laughs> you know, there's just there's just not anyone there, or people that come are just. I don't know. Don't really seem like they're paying much attention, which is fine. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that, too. But um, I thought the crowd in the second half against Radford was really into it. I mean, how could you not be? That was a lot of fun basketball. Best half of basketball we played. Yeah, <laughs> oh, by far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, 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 do you want me to give it a grade? Yeah, or? let's go for it. I, I'm going to go with a B-. minus. I could agree with that. It's in the Bs. It's a – you know, let's face it, I don't think any of us were straight-A students in this crew, unless you guys want to admit it, but like, I think we were all B students in college. Am, am I right? C plus. Yeah, throw, throw a C in there. <laughs> I a few A classes, but, <laughs> you know. Gem. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. I, I definitely it was a, got an A in tourism. It, it, was, it was like, it was, it was in the B range, you know, it was in the 80s. All right, uh, Professor, what about the Seattle game? What did you think? Yes, so I took a unique route there. I took the Pulse. I walked over to the Scott Station, took it in, expected a big flood of Ram fans at uh, the Rams house. Didn't happen. But it dropped me off like a little past, like near um, what was that pizza place? Extreme the- Pizza. <laughs> yeah, near Extreme Pizza. Oh wow, that's a good drop off yeah, spot. Missed bro. the uh, yeah. So it's a good thing. Um, and then oh, you didn't get to the block party. Then, didn't did get you? to the block party. Got there. How was it though? Uh, not as good as last time. Last time felt like it was a really good crowd. I was telling them, look, this is tough. Saturday, two p.m. And um, you know, VCU Athletics kind of said that school might have been off this week. They, they were. Yeah, it's, the, right. it's the first they're time they were doing it. And so it was we didn't do that when we were in school. the greatest date yeah. selection, right? That's what next, my... next block party is until February. Oh, uh, so that's fine. They don't need to do it in December. People got people got stuff going on in December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, that factored into my grade. Got in the stadium, sat with Caleb, like I mentioned. Thank you um, for the tickets. And it was kind of empty, no students. Um, it. Um, I went C+, because it was quiet most of the time, and then... The second people start standing, get loud, immediate turnover by Seattle. So it's like if you did that the whole game, it would have been like a blowout the whole time. But people are kind of like, oh, we're really going to have to do this and will them to win. But you could tell the crowd um, impacted the game. So I'll give that C+. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I thought the the crowd got better in the second half as the team got better. And that's the difficult thing is that we had so much to cheer for when the team was up 21-8. to But then, man, those final, like, eight to ten minutes of the first half, it wasn't much to cheer for. Nah, I mean, you know, the the crowd is reacting to the product on the floor, and when the team just keeps hitting shot after shot to respond to whatever run you go on, I mean, it kind of takes them out of it. Did you um, see the kid that was shooting free throws, though? 
the top the, left corner. Top the... left corner. He could barely the hit the backboard. <laughs> oh. He was almost Ooh. like he was throwing it over the basket on purpose. I was like, where do they find these kids? Can we get more Connor Baileys? Hey, I airballed a three-pointer. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but then you made your free throw, though. I did make my free throw. Papa yeah. John's is getting pretty selective with who they uh, choose to do their <laughs> shootout. It's, um, it's rough, man. It's layups, and they're giving away one pizza, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, the Rams got the win and improved to 3-1 and one on the season before they head to Disney World for the ESPN Events Invitational with three games in four days, but to break down the statistics from the first four games of the season, we hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. After four games, the stats are starting to paint a little bit clearer of a picture. And right now, the three ball is our downfall. Uh, to f- help further illustrate that point, uh, I just wanted to highlight a few key stats. Um, but I f- uh, A10 stats, the Twitter handle for the A10, um, they posted a team shot profile, which I found to be very interesting. 47.3% of our shots are from three. Almost half of our shots are from three. We're hitting 28.1% of those shots. Mid-range jumpers account for 11.2% of our shots. We're converting 33.3% of those shots. Shots at the rim account for 40.9% of our attempts. We're making 66.3% of those shots. Wow. So uh, some of those numbers are very good and some are very bad. How good and how bad, you might ask? According to Bart Torvik, we're 285th in the country at three-point shooting percentage, but we're 30th in the country at two-point shooting percentage. I mean, you're you're at opposite ends of the spectrum right there. I mean, we talked about it. This is one of the tallest and lengthiest teams we've ever had. I expect them to be good in the paint, and I'm not surprised that guys like Kwani Kwani, that the wingspan's seven foot, yeah. is missing his threes. Yeah, I mean, we are just not getting that production from deep. Um, a quick note on the, the defensive side of the ball looks good per Bart Torvik's efficiency metrics. Um, we're holding opponents to a 42.3 effective field goal percentage, which is good for 36 in the country. So th- right now, to me, it feels like we're still playing road-style basketball. Um, and right, honestly, we're pretty easy to defend. Um, when you look at us from a personnel perspective, Max Shulga is shooting 43.5% from deep, so the scouting report is out because he is by far our best three-point shooting threat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you run him off the three-point line. You don't let him get clean, easy looks. And quite honestly, you're going to deal with us pretty well. Zeb's shooting 22% from three. Janelle is shooting 35.7%, which is solid and respectable. Honestly, his volume has to go up. I wonder what Zeb's percentage is when you take away the McNeese game. I think he was 2 of 12 in that game. Yeah. So that's that's still 4 of 15. So still not not great, but... He's taken 27 threes on the season. So, I mean, that's... Almost, well, it's over a quarter of his attempts, or a third of his attempts in that one game. But, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big chunk. Um, Toby's 66% from three. <laughs> uh, we can only take three attempts. That's not saying a lot. Fats is 36.4%. Again, we got to get his volume up. 2K and Michael Bell, Kwani Kwani and Michael Bell, neither have hit a three this year. And to me – we need one of them to emerge as a three-point threat, ideally 2K, because 2K averaged about nine points at Cal last year in the Pac-12, 
And I want to say that he hit about two threes a game. Yeah. We've got to get some three-point production out of him. So, Stat Monster, I don't want to cut you off, but I do feel like Kwani Kwani's three-point shots are coming too early in the shot clock. That's just – I think that's Odom's offensive philosophy. He is willing to shoot within the first seven seconds of the shot clock. Seven <laughs> seconds, I don't know why that's the number, but that's Phoenix what he Suns. This, yeah. this isn't Norman Dale Hoosiers, you know, pass the ball three right. times. Yeah. He's ready to get some shots up. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the, the swing pass to Kwani Kwani is going to be open with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. We don't need to do it with 30 seconds left. But if it's open at the beginning of the shot clock, what's the difference? He wants – Odom wants to push that offensive tempo – because he thinks that we're going to be good in offense. And, um, you know, hopefully eventually that clicks and we can do so. But my last thing, and I just wanted for comparison's sake to see what Utah State did last year, but they were 37.9% from three last year, which was 15th in the country, and 54.5% from two, which was 29th. So they had the best of both worlds last year. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we can get there, but we need to strive to get closer to those numbers. And once we do, uh, this team is going to hit an extra gear. With that said, obviously we miss Sean Bear, so he's a 35% plus three-point shooter. And Joe Bamisil, we he's shown the ability to shoot and get hot from deep. I do not think we're going to have him this year, so I would not hold on to that hope. But what I do hope is Sean Bearso gets back and that changes the offense. I think Sean Bairstow is going to make a big impact on the offensive side of the ball for everything that you've mentioned, but also I think the amount of team turnovers we have will go down. I, from everything I hear, and I've only seen him personally in the black and gold game, he is very good at passing the ball from multiple spots on the floor. That's what I was about to say, because he could like flash to the middle of the zone, the elbow. shoot it, the elbow. Yeah, All break that. the 2-3 I mean, zone. What, I mean, you, and right now, I mean – like we were saying earlier, I mean, it's easy to defend us. Throwing a zone at us is its a pretty good way to stop us. I mean, get Shulga off the three-point line, and outside of that, um, you know, it's tough to penetrate against a zone. So, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see zone every day, but we're going to see some tendencies where people sag off and, and just try and clutter up the paint. And, um, you know, it's impressive that our two-point shooting percentage is as high, to, as, high as it is, but I think – and I'm a little worried that that's because we've athletically overwhelmed people so far. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, the, you know, there's a lot better things we can do from a three-point shooting perspective, and that, in my opinion, will come. Connor, reactions to the stats? Uh, you mentioned two-point shooting. You, you look at Toby LaWall and Christian Furman. Toby LaWall so far, 14 to 20 from the floor. Furman, 10 to 16. I think these are guys, you know, maybe they don't keep up the 70%, 70% from the floor or 62.5% from the floor rating that they have now. I think these are guys that can shoot fi- upper 50s in, in shooting percentage because they're, you know, Toby's taking threes now, but Furman's taken, you know, he's not, he doesn't shoot jump shots. So I think those guys can have a high two-point percentage. I think it's a work in progress. When Barrister comes back, Chris mentioned he, he's someone during the zone. He can pop to the pop to the uh, the elbow and such. Uh, I, just, I can't wait for that because I, th- I think he's gonna be a star. I I think it's I think our guys are gonna start shooting the ball better, just like we saw this week. Jason Nelson at four threes against Richmond. I think guys are gonna start shooting the ball better. Um, and come December when Barrister gets back, um, it, you know I don't know if it quite clicks in Orlando. I think I like to see at least one game where we shoot pretty well. But I think in December it'll it'll really start kind of turning. Um, and re- kind of ready for conference play kind of like what happened last year different personnel but you know we started kind of clicking towards the middle of december last year yeah i also think zeb jackson is going to keep improving when he starts to really understand his role in helping out this team he's averaging 16 points per game right now i would take five less points per game and two or three more assists and less turnovers 
I was going to say, he is doing everything for us right now that you could ask from him except for shoot the ball well. If he can start doing that at a better rate. But I want him to shoot a little less and just keep attacking because I really think we're at our best when Zeb breaks down the defense, gets into the paint, and then it's Furman and the wall and these other guys with short twos. Yeah, I think sometimes he's just done such a good job penetrating that the easy play is the layup. With, and he's a pretty crafty finisher with that left hand of his. Yeah. So um, while I understand what you're saying, um, I think that Zeb is is typically making the right decision. And his turnover numbers aren't astounding at this point. Um, I mean, on the season, 20 to 12 assist to turnover ratio. So I'll take that. Yeah. And and against um, Radford, he had two, and coach took him out. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was the start of the game, and I think that was just kind of like a wake up. But I I love it because Odom called him out on it, mm-hmm. screamed at him, and Zeb wasn't like he didn't cry at all. He didn't get upset. He understood the moment. Yeah. Hey, I'm the starting point guard. I can't have those turnovers. He came back in and had a great game. Yeah. I mean, to us, eligibility wise, he's a junior. Yeah. He's 22 years old. He has been around college basketball for four years now. He is a senior veteran. You know, that's how I consider him. And the relationship between the player and the coach. We talked about it last year on the pod where Coach Rhodes would send Ace Baldwin clips and they had a good relationship. I love Coach Odom being able to take Zeb out, you know, give him a lecture and then putting him right back in the game and seeing the difference. That's a great relationship uh, that you want between your head coach and your starting point guard. This is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, I'm Adam Epstein. You can hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. We usually release an episode a week coming to you guys here on a Tuesday, November 21st, before VCU heads off to Disney World for the ESPN Events Invitational. And speaking of early season tournaments, time to hand it off to Connor Bailey for This Week in VCU History. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. So a little different than my previous segments from this this year's pod and last year's pod. I'm going to focus on MTEs. So I say MTE, it's a multi-team event. Uh, it's kind of gotten short, and I know Chris is a big Feast Week guy for years. It was always called I, Feast Week. I call them Thanksgiving tournaments. Yeah, personally. but it's MTEs, <laughs> multi-team events where you play on a neutral site with four, eight teams. For some reason, I always call them preseason tournaments, even though they're, the pr- they're, they're regular season. We'll get to that in a second. There's a reason why you probably say that. Okay. So I'm going to kind of go through all the um, kind of, you know, quick little rundown of all the MTEs we played in since Anthony Grant's first year, which was 06, 07. And guys, feel free to chime in. Let me get to the end of the, and it's going to be about a you know, 30 seconds to a minute on each, on each year, but feel free to chime in, chime in on a game or something. Um, but let me get to the end of each MTE. So as soon as I'm done with 07, MTE, let, let me know if you have something to say. But the reason why I mentioned this in, after this after this segment we'll discuss our Iowa State game and other games in Orlando but it's so important because VCU plays Memphis at home we have Orlando no other non-conference game is going to put us in the tournament this is why these games are so important I'm going to kind of explain VCU's history and our success so Anthony Grant era coached three years at VCU the 06-07 season so November of 06 we played in the Paradise Jam down in St. Thomas VCU that year was an 11 seed NCAA tournament auto bid so that means they were kind of on the bubble if they didn't, make, if they didn't win the CAA tournament we played three games in the Paradise Jam we lost to Xavier by three points. Xavier was an NCAA nine seed. 
It's a missed opportunity. You could have beaten a team that played in the NCAA tournament. You lost by three. We beat College of Charleston outside the top 100 RPI. It didn't help. Uh, lost to Toledo, RPI 90. Lost to them by one point. So you had two games you really could have won, and that's the pre-net era. That, that's top 100 wins. You had a top 50 win and a top 100 win we could have had. We lost. That's a missed opportunity from a from a MTE point of view. Fair enough, guys. That's a missed opportunity. You got a, you got a chance to win these games. Yeah. We're in 11 seed NCAA tournament. We got the auto bid, but if you miss, we may not make the tournament. Missed opportunity. 0708, Anthony Grant's second year at BCU. We were an NIT team that year. We lost in the CAA tournament. We played in Puerto Rico. Uh, beat Houston, a top 100 team, ranked 80 by one, 73-72. I remember I – actually, my dad got me out of school that day to watch that game. It was pretty hype. Um, <laughs> lost to a Miami team uh, by six points. Really competitive game. Remember Jack McClinton, that shooting guard from Miami who could yeah. just shoot the lights off the ball? Yeah. Lost to them by six, NCAA 7 seed. Um, and then lost to a ranked Arkansas team, ended up being an NCAA 9 seed that year by 10. That game wasn't that close, but the Miami game, we were neck and neck the whole time. In my opinion, that's another missed opportunity. Had a decent win against Houston, a, t- a team ranked 80th in the RPI. But lost to Miami. It's two missed opportunities in Anthony Grant year. Uh, the third year of Anthony Grant, 08-09, we played in the Cancun Challenge. Do you remember this one, Caleb? This was in a ballroom. They had, like, ballroom lights at the top. We played New Mexico and Vanderbilt. We beat New Mexico, who was ranked 66th in the RPI, and Vandy, who was number 90, 95 in the RPI. This year with the NCAA 11 seed, we got an auto bid. I call this one a meh. Because even if we would have gone 2-0, and the CA was weak that year, and I don't think we were going to get an at-large bid. So Anthony Grant's teams, in my opinion, missed opportunity, missed opportunity, meh. Just didn't, didn't really mean a lot. Uh, so there's, that, that's, that's kind of Anthony Grant's history in the three years in these MTEs. Um, 09-10, Shaka's first year. No MT, we didn't play an MT that year. Year 2, 2010-11. VCU is an NCAA at-large 11 seed. We play in Dayton in the first four. Remember what happens and stuff. Our RPI was 49 that year, Kempon 53. We played in the NIT preseason tip-off. Adam, you AWOD, you just mentioned preseason. It used to be it used to be called NIT preseason tip-off. I don't even think it's around anymore. Mm-hmm. But back then, you played in a pod. We played in the Winston-Salem pod. So we went to Winston-Salem. We played Winthrop. That was the same yeah, night as the, yeah. the Monday Night Miracle where Michael Vick and the Eagles scored like, was it 59 to 20? They beat oh, yeah. Washington. The Monday Night Massacre. Yeah, Monday Night yeah, Massacre. Yeah, it was not Miracle. miracle. Yeah, Monday Night Massacre. Clinical beat them. Yeah, we yeah. beat, we beat went a bad Winthrop team by, by 13. Then we played Wake Forest. It was awful. They went 8 and 24. We beat them 90 to 69. Jamie Skeen had like 27 points. I remember, Br- didn't Brad go off that game? Brad had a Sorry. huge, yeah, he, yeah. Chime in, brother. Yeah, uh, no, he, I thought that we, oh, yeah, okay. it's all good. He had a good game. And I was so hype. Um, because back then you, it was a pod to get to Madison Square Garden. You had to win the Winston Salem pod. We took it from Wake Forest. We go to we go to Madison Square Garden the next week, um, and then we played Tennessee, who was an NCAA nine seed, the day before Thanksgiving. Lost to them, close game. Um, and then we played UCLA, who was an NCAA seven seed. This is on Black Friday. Beat them. It's an RPI team, forty four. So that's a top fifty win in the RPI away from home. Huge win. That was a win of an MTE because you don't beat UCLA. All you can, all, the only wins we would have had that were good that year were a road ODU win and a neutral site George Mason the CA tournament. That's a third big win that put us in the tournament. All the Tech fans who kind of you know uh, whined and moaned at my senior year of high school the day after selection Sunday, screw you guys. That was a big win. <laughs> I take it personally. Big win for Shaka. Yeah. Um, our freshman year, 11-12, uh, this was just a dud of a tournament in Charleston. We go down to Charleston that year. We're an NCAA 12 seed, won the CAA tournament. We get hammered by Seton Hall by 15, who's an IT one seed. Good team, but a good win. We uh, got hammered by 15. Yep. Got hammered by Georgia Tech by 13. Georgia Tech was 11-20 and 20 that year. Awful Georgia <laughs> Tech team. And we beat a bad Western Kentucky team who actually went 16-19 and 19 and won their conference tournament and <laughs> played the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed. That's a dud of a... MT. We played awful. We played awful against Seton Hall. Played awful against Georgia Tech. Then we just kicked butt the rest of the year. I remember uh, Seton Hall had that guy. I, oh, was it point, Holloway? The, the guard. He looked like yeah. he was fifty years old, and he was just destroying. You talking about us. the guy that's now the coach? 
It might be Shaheen Holloway. No, he, he, play, he played the late 90s. Shaheen Holloway played like 98 to 92. Uh, was, yeah. right. I do remember. I this watched guy, the game that you're talking about, and to, they had a guard that dogged us. Yeah, we got, we got yeah, wet. He, he played, but he he had played like in a, the NBA, He too. had like a polished, bald head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he so we, killed us. Yeah, so we got waxed. Absolute dud. 2012-2013, uh, our sophomore year of college, the inaugural battle for Atlantis. We go down there. We play Memphis. So VCU ends up being a five-seed in the NCAA tournament that year. We beat Memphis, who was an NCAA six-seed. Good win. We played Duke. Me and Caleb were mentioned in our group chat. We lose to Duke, who was NCAA two seed that year. If you call when Emil Jefferson definitely stepped out late in the game, you know, his foot was definitely out of bounds. We also missed a bunch of free throws late in that game. So we, we had a chance. And then Missouri, one of the Pressies, I don't know if it was Phil or his Phil. brother. It was Phil. And their dad's a Richmond native, played at George With back in the day. I didn't um, know. Um, yeah, he hit that big three to beat us. So we went one and two down there. I still call that a win. We got a top, we, got a, we beat an NCAA six seed down at Atlantis, inaugural year. I call that a win. Uh, our junior year of college, 2013-14, BCU's NCAA 5 seed. So what you do down there is not that bad or not that important, but we beat UVA the week beforehand. We're number 10 in the nation. Remember we were number 10 in the nation for one week? We go so down great. there, Florida State. Where was, it, oh, this was Puerto Rico. Yeah, you were there. You I went was there. there. Yeah, 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 this is in Puerto Rico. We go down there, Florida State, who was an NIT team that year, waxes us by 18. Yeah. Then we they, beat, they had like Chris Singleton. Yeah. They had a few NBA guys. The, but big guys. Then yeah. we beat Long Beach State. Yep. It was awful. And then we lost to an NIT Georgetown team. That's a dud. We lost to two NIT that teams. That Georgetown game was so frustrating. We played so bad. Sure. What was Molly this? Cox got into foul trouble in like the first two minutes. Hey, wasn't it super low scoring? A, uh, Georgetown was 84. It ended up oh, being 84-80, but we played bad. Completely that, that was In Puerto Rican tip-offs, it's always the week before Thanksgiving. Like, what just what, what would have just happened? Gotcha. Um, that's a dud. Um, and then look at our senior year. Shock is, so we're still in Shock and Smart there, 2014-15. Uh, we go to Legends Classic, one of our three trips there to Brooklyn. We lose to Villanova, seventy-seven to fifty-three. We led, I think we led by four early in the second half, and on five straight possessions, Villanova hit a three. Um, I remember but then we beat one. Oregon. Oregon's an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. We beat them. That's a win in my opinion. You get you you beat an NCAA tournament team in neutral site. So that's the shock era. I'm gonna go through the Will Wade era real quick. Um, 2015-2016. We go up to the 2K Sports Class at Madison Square Garden. I went to the Duke game. Yeah, um, I, went, I went to that. Yeah, too. I went to the Duke game. We, we we were competitive in that game, but we lost 79-71 to Duke, who was an NCAA four seed. Um, and then we lost by one to Wisconsin. Bronson Koenig had that little runner at the end of the game, and then Melvin Johnson airballed a three. NCAA seven, they were an NCAA seven seed. So you played two NCAA tournament teams. I call that a missed opportunity. The Duke game, whatever. We had a chance to beat Wisconsin. We didn't do it. Uh, next year, 2016-2017, Wade's second year, we go to the Battle for Atlantis. We lose to Baylor. Played a really competitive game with Baylor. Lost 71-63. to They were an NCAA three seed. Then we kind of waxed both St. John's and LSU. Both those teams stunk that year. They went they they were RPI 140 and RPI 194. I call that a bad luck. We just we lost to the good team and waxed two teams that stunk. Um, so that's the Will Wade, Will Wade era. Um, now you have the Mike Rhodes era, six years of MTEs. Uh, our first year, which was the coolest, 2017-2018, Maui Invitational, VCU loses to Marquette 94-83. I get so hyped when we beat Cal 83-69. Cal went 7-25 that year. And then we were, I mean, Caleb and I, were, were, we were, we were, we were, um, we recounted the we, last we were two sick. minutes of that game. Yeah, we were, we were sick of this last night talking about the Michigan game. We almost beat Michigan. We led them by three with, what was it, two minutes to go? Ended up losing by eight, I think it was. And Michigan played the national championship that year. They were in the national championship. They went on an 11-0 <laughs> run to win that game. So, yeah, I call that a whatever. We weren't an at-large team. Um, let Legends Classic number two, 2018-2019, uh, we play – VCU is an eight-seed in the NCAA tournament. We played Temple and beat them by six. Temple made the first four that year as an at-large, 11-seed. Lost to St. John's in overtime. We know what happened. Marcus Evans got fouled. NCAA 11-seed. We played two first four teams that year, went one and one. That's a win. Temple was always around ranked number 50 that year. That was a huge neutral site win for us. 2019-2020, Emerald Coast Classic. You were there, Caleb, correct? I was there. Uh, I'm just going to call that a dud. We, we played two teams that were – 
they were right on the bubble that yeah. year, Purdue and Tennessee, lost by three to Purdue, lost at the buzzer to Tennessee. You and I watched that at um, City Beach, oh, Flow yeah. Sports Stream, that awful coverage. That was a dud of a tournament. I think that we were up with a minute left in both of those yes. games, and Marcos Santos Silva just clanked. Free throw yeah, after free throw in both of the games. It was dud. like watching the exact same thing over again. Straight dud. Year four, Mike Rhodes. 2020, 2020, excuse me, 2020, uh, this is November. Our first games of the season. We hadn't even played a home game yet because th- there was no fans in attendance. We played in what the Battle for Atlantis basically was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was called the Bad Boy Mowers Classic. We were a late entry. Wichita State was supposed to play in it, and they backed out. Uh, night before Thanksgiving, we beat Utah State. Ryan Odom was not coaching them yet. It was their Craig Smith, who's now at Utah. Uh, we beat them 85 to 69. They were an NCAA 11 seed at large. Good win. Lost to West Virginia in a close game on Thanksgiving. Or we lost by 13. It was competitive. We were always down by like eight or 10, but played competitive against NCAA three seed West Virginia. But then we beat Memphis, who was an NIT one seed. Um, their net their net ranking was 35. So we picked up two top 50 wins in the net. That's an absolute stud win that carried us the whole year. Great wins. I remember being so pleasantly surprised after that tournament. I was like, this this team's got teeth. Yeah, we're we're going to go, go somewhere. Keyshawn sure. Curry hit two threes against Utah State. It's his junior year. I'm like, whoa, he can shoot now? Um, <laughs> Trey also, Clark played really well in those games. But Bones averaged like eight or nine points his freshman year. This was yeah. his sophomore year. And he came in and he was just he was ready to busting. Rock. I was so. like, okay, this team's going to be good. So awesome. Uh, 21 to two years ago. It's our third time in the battle for Atlantis. Uh, VC was an IT three seed two years ago, net 57, pretty solid, uh, missed opportunity. We beat a mediocre Syracuse team who went 16 and 17 that year. I thought that was gonna be a good win. No, Syracuse was mediocre that year. We played really competitive with a one seated Baylor that year on Thanksgiving day. This is without Ace Baldwin. And then the, the missed opportunity was the UConn game on black Friday. We're up the whole game. We go to overtime. We lose to them 76 three in overtime. That was an NCAA five seed missed opportunity. Um, we were up with, I think, a minute left yeah. in that game. Yeah, there was that play where the ball, like, when there a travel call, there was, uh, yeah, there was an was iffy call late in the game. Yeah. Uh, and I call last year a missed opportunity as well. Uh, Legends Classic, third time in Brooklyn. We're an NCAA 12 seed. We didn't get the at-large bid. We blow one against Arizona State. It, it's funny. The last, last two Legends Classics we played in, we've the two teams we played last year, Arizona State and Pitt, and then Temple and St. John's in 2018, both were NCAA first four teams. <laughs> like, we played bubble yeah. teams with them. We lose to Arizona State. We beat Pitt. I was at the Pitt game for my birthday. Missed opportunity. So, I kind of just want a big spiel. I hope you Ram fans enjoyed that. I'm an absolute sicko for VCU basketball. I did Yesterday was my off day through work. My birthday was Sunday. I got an off day through work, and I did this for like two hours. It was awesome. Moral of the story, we have an opportunity these next few days. We have Iowa State, an NCAA tournament team of the last two years. We play Virginia Tech or Boise State the day after. Boise State's made two straight tournaments. And Virginia Tech, top 75 team last year, an NCAA tournament team two years ago. And we'll play at least a solid team in the third game. We have opportunities. VCU, our history in these MTEs are solid. A couple duds, but usually if we can pick up one good <laughs> win. But that's overall, that's VCU Ram history in MTEs. Um, so zero championship game appearances and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we back in the day, Caleb might remember when he was a kid that times dispatch tournaments from the early '90s. It was like more late '80s. It was when you were. It was always like UVA, VCU, Tech, JMU. It, it, they chose four teams to play at the Coliseum, but that was way back in the day. But yeah, no. Um, a couple of yeah, a couple of game one wins. But we never won the first two games. So, but that's a that's VCU MT history, guys. I love that, and I think the most important thing is we have to win the first game. I mean, you, you just have to start with a win. And, and like you mentioned, the game against the one in Puerto Rico started with a loss, and it kind of changes everything when you go into that loser's bracket. I know it's just an early season tournament, but winning the first game to me is vital. So while winning the first game would be huge because you're going to you know, play two very good teams 
the next two games if you were to win. I have to be honest. Uh, my expectations are I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. And I would love to get out of there winning at least one game. Two would be awesome. Obviously, three would be, you know, pie in the sky. But, um, you know, we are still down Bearstow, and we still have a lot of things to figure out. I I just want at least one win. And I know I it you. sounds depressing, but I think it's realistic. All right, let me tell you a little bit about the Iowa State Cyclones. They've scored 85 points or more in all four games this season, the first time they've done that since 2016. They also have double-digit steals in each game, also for the first time since 2016. That's impressive. Um, however, they have the 362nd strength of schedule in the country out of 362 teams. <laughs> they have played nobody. So we thought Radford and Seattle are nobodies. Right. Iowa State's been playing less than that. Much worse. <laughs> uh, their average margin of victory is 45 and a half points. Um, so I say that this team is definitely good. They are definitely a tournament team. So it's a great early season measuring stick. Um, but I, I say that, and I think that the guys getting away from the stew might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, it's like watching uh, a uh, w- like w- watching a pot waiting for it to boil. Um, you know, with our shooting and, and like every like everyone's holding their breath in the entire arena. And when you you're not hitting shots, it just snowballs and snowballs. And I think that going getting out of town, playing on not on the road but at a neutral site, changing our depth perception. Yeah, but I think it just kind of takes the pressure off a little bit, and you can play a little more free. It honestly feels probably like an AU tournament more than anything to these guys because they've probably all played uh, in Disney World for nationals and stuff like that. <laughs> it's it's just a different vibe, maybe a little less pressure, and I think that the guys are going to come out a little more loose. You need to take her out on Space Mountain, you know, have a good day and stuff. <laughs> but you, you, you kind of mention it. Get, get the guys away for a little bit. Let them see something different. Uh, just a little di- – it's kind of like, you know, I, if you have the means, I'm, I don't make a lot of money or anything, but I have the means to travel at times. If I stay at my house all day long and work all day long and just do it for six months straight, I go crazy. You know, I, you know, even, even just take a day trip. Sometimes it just getting away from the normal routine is good and, and playing away from the Seagull Center could be good for them, especially the guys that are new here. Get them out of Orlando, let them play against good competition. I, I'm excited. Uh, Iowa State's got a good team, but like Caleb said, weak, weak kind of weak schedule so far and kind of a bummer. Hassan Ward, VCU transfer, is out for like four weeks or so with a foot injury. So yep. he's, he's, uh, he's not playing this weekend at all, so we won't see him on uh, Thursday. No, but there is a chance that we see Mike Rhodes, Ace Baldwin, and Nick Kern, and it is time for AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? Folks, I'm fired up to be going to Disney World. Uh, This is a full circle moment for me. I played AAU basketball one year in my entire life. My dad complained the entire year that we were traveling to Danville just to place off against another team from Fairfax County. And we would go all over the East Coast. And I had a ton of fun. uh, And I thought I was pretty good at basketball, but I didn't play much. I was like the seventh or the eighth man. But we actually played in one big tournament in Virginia. And... There were, it was 
you played AAU, right? You yeah. know how teams would overschedule themselves? So we played in two tournaments that weekend. <laughs> we immediately got knocked out of the one tournament on Friday. The other tournament, the two teams we were playing against, were still in the other tournament, so they forfeited the semifinals and finals. So we got all these points from winning a championship where we only played one game. <laughs> and because of that, we got invited to Nationals. the ESPN Invitational, the Wide World of Sports Arena, for everybody when I was 13 years old. So now, 17 years later at age 30, I'm heading back I didn't play that time. I sat the bench, but I'll be playing as a starter for 910 The Fan, All right. uh, doing live shows there and the pregame and halftime for VCU. So I'm so fired up to be going to Disney World. And, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better tournament. You got a Final Four team there in FAU. Got Iowa State as their first opponent. Virginia Tech, if we win and they win. Possibly Coach Rhodes, the enemy waiting in the championship game. I mean, how beautiful would that be? My energy is for this tournament. I'm so fired up. Outside of Maui, I think that this tournament field might be the best of all the MTEs. So, yeah, for for that reason, I'm very excited, too. I mean, it's going to be good game after good game. I mean, obviously, I'm excited to see what Mike Rhodes does with Penn State once he actually plays somebody against uh, Texas A&M. Um, and, I'm, yeah, I mean, like we've been talking about, I'm excited to see our guys go up against some very, very good competition in Iowa State and then see what we can do, uh, depending on whether we win or lose. But, um just a quick side note too. Yeah, we went to the Nationals uh at the they called it the Milk House um down in Disney like quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen some some awesome players. I you're right. You too. just reminded me that they were giving everyone free milk. Going, all you had to do was do the yeah. fake milk mustache bit. Yeah. It's it's a nice facility too. Yeah, it's great. Is that where you saw Lou Williams? Yeah, saw Lou Williams dunk on Vernon Macklin and it was just one of the best dunks I've ever seen. Nice. A lot of other guys ended up having ridiculously good college careers, too. Cool stuff, man. I, I'm excited. You you know, a lot of energy and stuff. I just went through an MTE spiel about VCU since 06, 07. And it, it, this kind of go, ties in. I'm excited. These, you know, some people want to, you know, talk about turkey and stuff on Thanksgiving and stuff. And, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging with my wife's family and stuff. I'm watching, you know, 530 comes on. You ain't talking to me. I'm watching VCU play Iowa State. Try know? noon, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just like, do not talk to me. I got basketball, you know. But like you said, Maui, he's got a great, unbelievable field. Um, but, man, it's Thanksgiving week. Yesterday, Tennessee, Syracuse tipped off. You got day basketball. You got the beach and stuff. I can smell the turkey coming right now. That's all I got to say. Yeah, about who that. won that Syracuse Gonzaga game that tipped off at Gonzaga. like twelve thirty? I didn't. I didn't Gonzaga I didn't touch won that. by double digits. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm rooting for the fun matchups. I'll take a loss to Iowa State to somehow if Tech loses, play them. I'll take a eighth place game against Mike Rhodes. Yeah. Like I'm rooting I'll, for that matchups, even though it might be bad for the I'll, rest. Of I'll it. take three W's, but um, for sure, yeah. But I I won't mind it. Sure. All right, before we get to final thoughts, you can always send us a voicemail. That's at Black Gold Fan Pod on social media. This one comes in from the uncle of VCU's leading scorer against Radford, Jason Nelson. Here's Tyrone. This is Tyrone Nelson, longtime VCU fan, VCU graduate. Um, also a Board of Visitor member right now. And I uh, must, must say I'm kind of biased as a VCU fan because I'm the uncle of Jason Nelson. Um, you know, it's just been exciting watching Jason, you know, being a three-, four-, five-year-old kid running drills, you know, playing basketball for as long as um, I can remember, being a little five-year-old uh, in some of the um, youth leagues around here. You know, then following him through, uh, you know, through middle school, high school, um, AAU and, and then playing last year at University of Richmond. You know, I'm telling you, I just I feel at peace, feel like we're at home at VCU. Um, you know, most of my family is VCU graduates, and so, you know, VCU is home for us. And, um, you know, just seeing the love that the, uh, the Ram family 
has been showing him and this this team, which is primarily, you know, 75% new guys, um, you know, and we three and one right now. So, you know, I'm I'm pleased. Uh, you know, I wish we could play better, but you know, I'm loving seeing Fats and Jay and um, you know Roosevelt and you know hopefully Joe will get cleared and you know um, watching Zeb and Max and Christian and Toby and um, you know I'm, I know I'm missing somebody. Um, you know, but again, at the end of the day, man, it's an incredible team. And I think we're going to be fine. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that Thursday, Friday, Sunday, we go out, shock the world, get some big wins, uh, and continue to build on this non-conference, um, you know, schedule. So as we go into the A-10, um, we'll be able to kind of build a resume for at large if we don't win the uh, conference and the tournament. Uh, the environment at um, U of R and VCU is uh, not comparable. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, I've been a VCU fan, so to have to go sit through a year of U of our basketball home games after what you experienced at the stew is uh is not comparable. No disrespect to U of R, but um, it's just something special at VCU. And the whole community embraces the program, embraces the players, and um, you know, I mean, they they got their back. You know, so it's exciting. You know, my question is, you know, what. What impact do you guys think us having no true away games outside of this ESPN Invitational next week, um, having no um, away games before we really hit the road uh, for A-10, what, what impact do you think it's going to have on the, on, the, on the season? Great voicemail. I, I will say I didn't know he was also a VCU alum, so that gets me fired up. Uh, love that voicemail. Voicemail is incredible. Uh also, kudos for being a good uncle and going to the games at U of R. I know you probably didn't want to do that, but in all seriousness, uh, we're really glad to have you and, and obviously Jason. He's been great so far, and uh, I think uh, the only way is up with them too. But um, to answer your question, obviously it would be nice to get some away games on the schedule, um, and they're going to have to learn a lot at this MTE here uh, playing away from home. But what I do like about the way that our conference schedule sets up is we start with two home games, and then we start with two games that are within very easy traveling distance away from the stew. And if we're having a decent, even a decent season, VC is going to show up in Philly twice. And, um, you know, I think that that's a good way to, to kind of dip your, t- your foot in the water and establish yourself on the road. I, uh, you know, again, it's not ideal. And I know that Odom wanted to schedule some away games, but he couldn't. But I also think that our schedule lends itself to to a, a, an easier start on the road, if that makes sense. So, uh, but that's a, that's an awesome question. And um, you know, sometimes the guys like to play on the road. Road uh, the guys last year did. So, Road's we'll Warriors, yeah. yeah. Tyrone, love the voice, man. Love the love the support. You know, so glad your nephew is playing for VCU. Great question. Uh, you know, obviously we're you know playing down in Orlando the next few days this holiday weekend. Uh, but I think the guys will really come together playing at home, especially in December. You don't, you know, we, we rarely play road games in late December. You know, school's out of session. But uh, kind of like what Caleb said, we have some road games coming in pretty soon in January. And um, you know, I I think I, I'm not too worried about the impact. I think the guys are going to play well in Orlando, and we'll we'll play well at home throughout December. Really, an awesome voicemail, and I will say. Uh, Jason Nelson was my post-game interview, the game he had 19 points, and the kid is just so nice. He was smiling. He said he w- he wants to stay humble and hungry, and I really think he, you know, he keeps talking about the environment and the fan base 
and, and playing at the Seagull Center. And I think these home games are the perfect thing for this new team to gel and come together. This has been the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. And we are presented by River City Roll. Do not call River City Roll just a bowling alley. It is Richmond's entertainment scene with live music, a chef-inspired menu, incredible pizza, heated outdoor patio, boutique bowling. River City Roll also features the best live entertainment on Friday and Saturday night with no cover. You guys going anytime soon? No, but I'm going to give a, uh, like, because I'm Thanksgiving week. I'll be there the week after. Okay. But uh, shout out to my Jersey fam driving down. Um, and Rutgers has potentially two of the top three uh, recruits in the whole country next year. So he's a Rutgers alum. So that's just a fun fact. Final thought for me, man, right now. I'm, first off, Riverside Row, I'm, I might be going Friday night to see us play Boise or Tech. So there we go. That, oh, my, yeah. I'll that's be there for that. My <laughs> final thought, and uh, you know, some Ram fans may question this, I don't care about Penn State right now. I want to go out. I want to win the win the darn Orlando tournament. And if we end up playing Penn State because we lose, because that's probably what's that would that would force a matchup because they're not winning three straight games. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. I don't care about Penn State. I want to win this darn tournament. And if you want to win this darn tournament too, you shouldn't care about Penn State either. Unless it's first place game. That's a fair. That's a fair <laughs> counter. But I just I want to come out and win. And if I I, don't, I do not care about Penn State for this tournament. I'm with you, CB. Whatever benefits our resume come season's end, that's what I want to have happen. But my emphasis is emphasize whatever <laughs> for this tournament are to rebound well defensively and start shooting the three ball better. Shout out to all of Ram Nation that is going to Disney World for the tournament. If you see me out and about, come on and say hello. I know our buddy Bobby Gary. Hardcore BCU fan is coming. And last time we had a tournament, that's when Mike Rhodes said the famous quote, at least it's famous to me, nobody's parters harder in New York than you, (laughs) Awad. And uh, so Zach Joachim is going to Disney World. He's going to have his hands full. He's going to have to party as hard as me. (laughs) So uh, it'll be a ton of fun. Shout out to Zach for listening to the pod. Shout out to everybody. And we've been having a ton of fun. This was Season 2, Episode 4. Appreciate you listening to the show. Go Rams, go.